أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi-Uz-Zaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. Inshallah, in this episode, we will continue reading the 10th word, which is about the verity of resurrection and the hereafter that there is life after death that there is reckoning a judgment day on which we will all stand before God and account for what we have done in this world and what we have not done and that we are going to be rewarded or punished accordingly bodily resurrection bodily existence in the hereafter these are the subjects of the tenth word and we have been reading it for several weeks now it is a lengthy uh, treatise it is the first treatise that ustad nursi wrote among the books among the treatises that became the risale-i nur very early on mashallah as in many other treatises of the risale-i nur it begins with a metaphorical representation which we read through in this representation in this story we have two friends who find themselves in a paradise-like place. Everything is beautiful. Everything is where, th- where they are supposed to be. There is perfect order. Everybody is friendly to one another. Everything is helping one another, so on and so forth. However, there are also exceptions, exceptional abusers who do not recognize order and who steal others' property. One of the friends who is the smarter more truthful one recognizes that this much order beauty justice wisdom proportionality and so on so forth cannot be by itself he recognizes that this must have a maker an owner and the order that exists in the place must be ordained by him and he recognizes that power he submits the other one on the other hand says no this is all public property there is no order this is not owned by anybody this is all by itself and there is no sense there is no point in following order and not taking things as you wish he wants to behave as he wishes the more truthful friend turns to his unfortunate friend and explains the situation he gives several justifications for why there should be an owner in this place and also since everything that comes to this paradise-like place moves on does not stay disappears from sight he says that these abusers who appear to be getting by just having a free pass as to what they do must be judged somewhere else and you should also heed that there will be a judgment day there is life after here this is not the be all and all this is not all that there is out there we will together go there and therefore you should also act accordingly his friend resists for quite a while but in the end he has to capitulate because the more truthful friend provides lots of really good reasons proofs however this is not only about proof this is not only rational this is also something that needs to be internalized to the extent that the intellect and the heart can overcome the lower lowly compulsive and evil commanding desires and and dictations of the lower soul and Ustad Nursi from there on moves to explain the reality of 
what was in the metaphor in the in the reality with a capital R out there now if one listens to or reads the metaphorical story carefully one can of course understand what points to what in there and then perhaps deduce the reality from there but Ustan Nursi gives us a very detailed elucidation of the reality itself too and before he does that he also gives us a list of the indications in the in the metaphorical story there are things that appear and then disappear in the story and he tells us what points to what right now we are reading this part about the indications this is called the muqaddama this is called the introduction we are all we are nearly halfway through and we are still reading the introduction mashallah and we are reading the second indication there are four indications that ustad nursi gives us in this introduction we are reading the second one we read that uh, about halfway through inshallah we will now continue but since uh, we are not reading from the very beginning of the indication we should remind ourselves about what it was ikinci işaret the second indication hikayede bir yavere ekremden bahsedilmiş ve denilmiş ki kör olmayan herkes onun nişanlarını görmekle anlar ki o zat padişahın emriyle hareket eder ve onun hasbendesidir in the story there was the mention of an honored aide de camp and it was said that whoever is not blind will understand by seeing his decorations that this person is acting under the command of the sultan and he is a special servant of the sultan işte o yaver ekrem resul ekremdir so that aid the camp that honored aid the camp is the honored honorable messenger vesselam, the prophet so this second indication is about prophecy prophethood messengership and the prophet muhammad vesselam, in particular Ustad Nursi tells us why it makes perfect sense that the creator of the universe, the cosmos that we live in, will send prophets and messengers, and among those who are sent, why Prophet Muhammad, our beloved, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is going to be the last and, and foremost messenger. Hem hiç mümkün olur mu ki acib mucizelerle Garip ve kıymetdar şeylerle dolu hazineler sahibi, sarraf bir tarif edici ve vassaf bir teşhir edici vasıtasıyla enzarı halka arz ve başlarında izhar etmekle gizli kemalatını beyan, beyan etmek irade etmesin ve istemesin. Is it at all possible that the owner of treasuries full of wondrous miracles, rare and valuable items, like the one that we live in, the cosmos that we live in the earth and when we say precious items we are not only talking about diamonds and golds and gems etc no everything here is a precious item the leaf of a an oak tree that does so wondrous work so wonderful work in synthesizing sunlight and carbon dioxide and so on and so forth into what the tree is that's a precious gem and this entire world is full of those treasures so is it at all possible that the owner of treasuries full of wondrous miracles rare and valuable items should not wish and desire to display them to man's gaze by means of an expert jeweler an appraiser a jeweler who knows how to appraise jewel who knows how to appraise the value of those gems not just anybody but who when he takes a look understands the value of what he is looking at and eloquent describer and then he can also describe the value of the function of the wisdom behind the indications of what he is looking at so the owner of such treasuries is it at all possible that the owner of such treasuries will not display his treasures to man's gaze by means of an expert jeweler an appraising jeweler an eloquent describer thereby revealing his hidden perfections will he not want is it at all possible possible for him not to want to reveal his hidden perfections in his treasuries through 
the elucidation, explanation, eloquent description of this expert jeweler who knows how to do that. Hem mümkün olur mu ki bu kainatı bütün esmasının kemalatını ifade eden masnuatla tezyin ederek seyir için garip ve ince sanatlarla süslenilmiş bir saraya benzetsin de rehber bir muallim tayin etmesin. And is it at all possible that this owner, owner of these places that we are talking about, will ornament the entire cosmos with artifacts that express the perfection of all of his names? He is going to ornament it with wondrous, refined arts. He is going to make it like a palace, ornamented in this way, like a palace. And then he will not appoint a guiding teacher in order for us to appreciate, be able to appreciate the beauties and functions of that palace and also in order for us to know how to behave in it, the decorum of the place. Hem hiç mümkün, mü, mümkün olur mu ki bu kainatın sahibi şu kainatın tahavvülatındaki maksat ve gaye ne olacağını Müşiri tılsım-ı mullakını hem mevcudatın nereden nereye necisin üç suali müşkilin muammasını bir elçi vasıtasıyla açtırmasın. And is it at all possible that the owner of this cosmos is not going to have opened the, the conundrum of the three important questions of these existent beings which are where are you coming from, where are you going to what are you doing here? Is that all possible that he is not going to help us break the code, the hidden, closed code of what's going on here? The code that shows us the real meanings of what we observe around us. Is it at all possible that he is not going to help us through that messenger, through that envoy to understand the ultimate real purpose and objective of all these transformations that are taking place in this cosmos. Is that all possible that he is going to create all of these and he will create us with the capacity, with the aptitude to understand what is going on and appreciate it. And then he will not give us the opportunity to actually understand and appreciate it. He is going to keep them closed, hidden, behind a code. And we, of course, talked about this before. The word that Ustad Nursi uses that we are translating as code is tilsim, which indicates that there is a narrative, there is something before us. It is meaningful. It is beautiful. But it is coded. Its meaning and beauty are coded. In order to understand that meaning and appreciate that beauty, we need to know the code and once we apply the code to what we see here to the narrative to the art before us it all opens up it becomes clear is it at all possible that he will not send an envoy who will bring us the code and and show us how to apply that code so that we actually understand and appreciate the beauty that he creates the beauty in all these transformations that we see around the transformation of the winter into spring, the spring into summer, the summer into fall and back into winter, the transformation of the day into night and the night into day, the transformation of the states of the moon every day in a different shape, different place on the sky, the transformation of humans from, from infancy into childhood, into adolescence, then adulthood and then old age and then die. All these things that constantly are happening around us. Things are coming and things are going. Things are coming and working and functioning and fulfilling their duties. And then they are, once they finish their duties, are discharged from duty. As we saw in the metaphor before. And, and then room is opened up for others to come and fulfill their functions. Is it at all possible that he is going to load all of these transformations and all of these existent beings that are around us with so many meanings and then he is going to keep those meanings closed, inaccessible to the, to the foremost 
created being out there, the human beings who have the highest aptitude to understand and appreciate what is going on? Is it at all possible that he is not going to send an envoy who will explain all of this to them? Hem hiç mümkün olur mu ki bu güzel masnuat ile kendini zişuura tanıttıran ve kıymetli nimetler ile kendini sevdiren Sani-i Zülcelal onun mukabilinde zişuurdan marziyatı ve arzuları ne olduğunu bir elçi vasıtasıyla bildirmesin? And is it at all possible that the majestic artful maker who makes himself known with all these beautiful artifacts that he created and makes himself loved, beloved, endears himself with all these precious, valuable blessings. He will do all of this, but he will not inform the conscious ones among his creatures about what pleases him and what he wants from them through an envoy, by means of an envoy. The beautiful artifacts that are all around us, they are describers, they are indications, they are signs that tell us about our Lord. That tell to those who have consciousness that there is a Lord and He is the one who created them too. And He also makes all of this beautiful for them and turns into blessings, turns them into blessings for them. I'm sure we gave this example before. We as human beings, for instance, need nutrition in order to survive. However, nutrition did not have to be tasty. God could create every nutrition that we benefit from. Apples, pears, bread, meat, dairy, whatever. God could create everything, all of them, just tasteless. And we would have to eat because we would know that we need nutrition. But no, he puts a reward in this very thing that we need and he does not. He endears himself to us. He loves us. He shows mercy on us. And he wants us to know and, and love him too. So is it at all possible that he does all of this and he puts all of these blessings in what we observe around and the beauty to make us know him and to make us love him but then he will not tell us what makes him pleased what he loves what he wants from us is that all possible there has to be some indication out there and the indication is that he sends envoys he sends us messengers he tells us do this don't do that, eat this, don't eat that, behave in this way, don't behave in that way, interact in this way, don't interact in that way. This is what pleases me, this is what angers me, this is what I meant this place to be, and you also behave accordingly. And if you do that, you are going to be rewarded, and if you don't do that, you are going to be punished. Is it at all possible that he creates all of this and he creates us too. He puts all this, all this, all this value in what we observe around and puts us in a position to appreciate it and to give value, more value to it. But then he does not tell us what he wants from us. Is it at all possible that he is going to create this absolutely beautiful machine that functions in such in such a miraculous way but he does not give us the manual of how to use that of course of course he gives us the manual and of course he sends us envoys who are going to bring us and explain us that manual what is in that manual hem hiç mümkün olur mu ki nevi insanı şuurca kesrete müptela istidadca ubudiyeti külliyeye müheyya suretinde yaratıp Muallim bir rehber vasıtasıyla onları kesretten vahdete yüzlerini çevirmek istemesin. Is it at all possible that God should create mankind in a form with the aptitude to suffer the consciousness of multiplicity, but also contain, possess the ability to engage in universal worship? 
without at the same time wishing to turn it away from multiplicity to unity by means of a teaching guide. Is it at all possible that God will create mankind with the aptitude to suffer the consciousness of multiplicity? Mankind yearns, human soul, spirit yearns for unity. It witnessed God in the realm of spirits before it arrived in this, on this earth. It witnessed his Lord and that was the moment, that was the ultimate ecstasy, moment of ecstasy. He witnessed his Lord, but then he was sent to this world and his consciousness is constantly moving around, recognizing things. Try to imagine, try to remember last time you prayed, were you able to concentrate? Try to imagine how difficult it is to concentrate when you pray. When we pray, when I pray, we start the prayer and then Satan starts whispering into our ears. This happened there. You forgot this there. You left that there. Oh, you should take care of this. Oh, you need to attend to that. It all appears. If there is nothing like that, take a look at the beauty of the embroidery in, on your prayer rock. All of this keeps going on in our minds. Our mind is constantly wandering wandering and moving around and so is our heart so is our heart so our consciousness is created in a way in a sense it is addicted that's the word that is used here it is addicted to multiplicity it cannot rid itself of of multiplicity but at the same time there is a benefit in this the benefit in it is that mankind is created with the aptitude with the ability to offer to god universal worship worship that at least in its intent, in its intent, comprises the worship of all created beings out there in existence that we, we are able to witness or imagine. That is why in the month of Ramadan, we observe the skies to see if the, the crescent has appeared. And if we see the crescent appearing there according to the sunnah of our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we tell it the moon the, the unconscious being who we think does not hear us and understand what we are saying but we turn to it and say your lord and my lord is one why why do we do that because we are created in a way with the aptitude to appreciate, understand, and represent and present the worship of everything in the creation. Therefore, we have the aptitude for universal worship. That addiction to multiplicity, if used well, can be turned into universal worship, at least in intent. Now, is it at all possible that God is going to create us with this suffering addiction which can then be turned into this great blessing and fulfillment of function in existence but yet he will not is it at all possible that he will do that but yet he will not send us a teaching guide who is going to turn our faces our consciousness our attention from multiplicity to unity to the one is that all possible that he is going to create all of this with that beautiful purpose but not take the last step that is needed in order for the purpose to be fulfilled which is sending a teaching guide who is going to show us unity in multiplicity and through multiplicity daha bunlar gibi çok ve zaifi nübüvvet var ki her biri bir burhanı katidir ki so there are many other duties of prophethood like these ones and they are each a certain demonstration that divinity cannot be without messengership divinity cannot be without messengership we recognize the divine being we recognize a necessarily existent being even if we hear nothing nothing of the revelation we at least have the aptitude to recognize 
the one necessarily existent being who created all of this and who is in charge now whether this comes with a responsibility to do so if you have not re received any revelation or not is a matter of disputation there is a difference of opinion on that but they will all agree that we have the aptitude to recognize one creator one necessarily existent being the name is not important at this point that there is something out there who is not created in all this creation there is something outside the created beings who created them who is one who is in charge we have the aptitude to recognize that so that's an aspect of divinity and Ustad Nursi is saying here that there are many many aspects of many functions of messengership like the ones that we talked about that each are a certain demonstration that divinity cannot be without messengership divinity entails requires messengership now the important point şimdi acaba alemde Muhammed-i Arabi aleyhissalatu vesselam'dan beyan olunan efsaf ve vezaife daha ehil ve daha cami kim zuhur etmiş? Now, with all this understanding, let's take a look. In the realm, in existence, who other than Muhammed-i Arabi, the, the Muhammed, the Arab, peace and blessings be upon him aleyhissalatu vesselam, who in the realm other than Muhammed, the Arab, has appeared with the described qualities and duties who in the creation is more capable of doing all of that and who has done it in a more comprehensive way take a look at history take a look at the knowledge that we have about all human beings out there and among us now who is more qualified who is closer to what is being described here as a messenger as an envoy who is going to fulfill all the functions that we have been talking about who is out there other than muhammad the arab sallallahu alayhi wasallam and of course ustad norsi is here using the word the the expression muhammad the arab because this question first needs to be asked to a person who does not recognize him as the prophet or messenger who does not know him as the prophet and messenger we establish that there is need for prophethood and messengership we establish that there is a divine being we establish that his divinity entails sending envoys and therefore we established the verity and necessity of prophethood and messengership now if we establish this let's look around who can that person be who could those people be but who can the foremost among them be and of course it is muhammad the arab that we recognize on the arabian peninsula about 14 plus centuries ago he is the one he is the one whose life that we know best among all other people around there in the world and in whose life we see an impeccable 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 beautiful 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 miraculous example who else is there out there ve rutbe-i risalete ve vazife-i tebliğe ondan daha elyak daha evfak hiç zaman göstermiş midir has time shown us anyone other than him who is more deserving of and who has been more successful in fulfilling the necessities requirements of the duty of promulgation and the rank of messengership the duty of promulgation there is a message out there that needs to be given that needs to be promulgated spread around is there anyone who has done this better than him who has been more successful in passing the message on he was sent as a messenger to the entire realm to all the universes all the realms he was sent as a messenger to the humans and the jinn is there anyone out there who has fulfilled that responsibility that duty that function better than him is there anyone who is more deserving of the rank of
messengership other than him. Hayır, asla ve kat'a. No, never, that can never happen. Belki o, bütün Resullerin seyyididir. Bütün enbiyanın imamıdır. Bütün asfiyanın serveridir. Bütün mukarebinin akrebidir. Bütün mahlukatın ekmelidir. Bütün mürşidlerin sultanıdır. In fact, he is the master of all messengers, the imam of all prophets, metaphorically and in reality, because as we know, during his ascension, when he, uh, when he was taken from Mecca to Jerusalem, there he led all the prophets and messengers, of course, all the prophets in prayer. He is the head of all the purified ones, the foremost, the forecoming among all the purified ones. He is the closest of all those who are brought close to God. And he is the most perfect among the creation. He is the sultan of all the guides who guide us to the true path. Evet, ehli tahkikatin ittifakıyla şakkı kamer ve parmaklarından su akması gibi bine bali mucizatından haddü hesaba gelmez delaili nübüvvetinden başka Kur'an-ı Azim-i Şan gibi bir bahri hakaik ve kırk vecihle mucize olan mucize-i kübra güneş gibi risaletini göstermeye kafidir. Yes, aside from his miracles such as splitting the moon and water gushing from between his fingers, besides all these miracles, the number of which reach almost a thousand, that cannot be counted or limited, as all those who investigate these matters and who verify have agreed upon. The evidence that we see in these miracles for his prophethood, besides all of them, the Quran of tremendous glory shows us his messengership like the sun on a bright day in clear day shows everything to us. The Quran of tremendous glory shows us his messengership as an ocean of truth and a miracle from 40 points of view as his greatest miracle. Ustad Nursi in another treatise, which is about the miraculousness of the Quran, shows us from about 40 points of view why the Quran is so miraculous. And this is mostly about the eloquence of the Quran. So if it were, even if the Prophet was not given any other miracle, the Quran would be sufficient to show his messengership to all of us as the sun on a clear day. And on top of this, he is given all those miracles, such as the splitting of the moon, the, the mushrikun, the disbelievers of Mecca told him, if you split the moon, you know, can you do that? And of course they were thinking that he would not be able to do that. And he said, okay, at night, at this time when the moon shows up full moon come and he points to the moon with his fingers and the moon splits one part goes on one side the other part goes on the other side that's a miracle and then it comes back together and the same fingers when the believers need water in the desert on a day on a hot day when they run out of water and they need to take wudu they need to take their ablutions he has them pour some water on his hand and, and that little bit of water turns into water that gushes from between his fingers and hundreds of the companions take wudu with that water and they fill their water containers that, that they say, scholars, the Gnostics, those who know, say that that is the, the best water on earth ever because it came from between his fingers. The fingers that we all you know, would like to kiss. It comes from between his fingers. Zemzem is holy, beautiful, but it comes from between rocks. 
this water came from between his fingers that was the holiest of the best of all water any any water that's ever been created in the entire creation that was the best so even if if it were not for any of these miracles the number of which reaches almost a thousand and the scope of which cannot be limited because he was sent as a prophet as a messenger as a mercy to the entire realm all the realms everything in the realm all species of the realm animate beings inanimate beings conscious beings unconscious beings they all greeted him with their relevant miracles the sun stopped on the sky or the earth stopped its rotation or even rotated back so that he could pray his prayer in time in one occasion when he was not able to do so out of his mercy god stopped the earth from its rotation so that he could pray his prayer in time the moon represented the celestial bodies and and was split apart to greet him as the messenger pebbles did dhikr that they recited the names of God in his palm as a representative of rocks. The tree trunk cried after him. A tree came to him to greet him as a representative of their species, the trees. A camel came to him and talked to him as a representative of his species, as the, of the animals, and so on and so forth. Everything, everything in the creation greeted him in these miracles. Başka risalelerde ve bilhassa 25. sözde Kur'an'ın 40'a kareyip vücuhu ecazından bahsettiğimizden burada kısa kesiyoruz. Üstad Nursi says, Because we talked about this in other treatises, especially in the 25th word that uh, provides close to 40 aspects of the Kur'an's miraculousness because we mentioned this elsewhere, we are going to keep it short here. And this is the end of the second indication. Third indication. Hatıra gelmesin ki bu küçücük insanın ne ehemmiyeti var ki bu azim dünya onun muhasebeyi amali için kapansın, başka bir daire açılsın. So, don't ever think. What importance does this small, tiny human being have that this tremendous earth is going to be closed for the accounting of his deeds and another circle, another realm is going to be opened. Don't think that human beings are small because in the metaphor, the metaphorical representation that we were talking about, again, the truthful, smart friend told his other friend that, look, this is not the be all end all. There is a world after this. There is something after this. We will go somewhere and you will be taken into account for what you are doing. This is all a representation. This is all a demonstration, perhaps like a fair. Perhaps like a fair in which the producers bring their products and produce, but not the actual thing. They bring, bring samples and demos to show to you what they can actually produce. And then if you put the order, they can send you know, thousands, per, perhaps hundreds of thousands of the, the demos, the, the originals, the real thing of the demos that they show to you. So that's what the smart, truthful friend said must be going on here in this paradise-like place. And of course, these are explanations of what the indications in that story are. So the indication of that Ustad Nursi is going to tell us is that don't think that human beings, those two friends are human beings, are very small, very insignificant, tiny, especially if you think of it within the larger cosmos. The earth itself is but a speck in the observable cosmos that we know don't ever think that human beings are so insignificant and tiny and and why would this earth this entire realm actually be closed come to an end and then another one a permanent place would be opened for him to be taken into account what is the significance of the human being çünkü bu küçücük insan camiyeti fıtrat itibariyle şu mevcudat içinde bir ustabaşı ve bir dellalı saltanat-ı ilahiye ve bir ubudiyet-i külliyeye mazhar olduğundan 
büyük ehemmiyeti vardır. Don't ever think that because, because this small human being has such a comprehensive innate nature, he is like a foreman among all these existent beings. He is like a, an announcer of the divine royal power and he is the locus of appearance for universal worshipful slavehood. Universal worshipful slavehood belongs to human beings, not the trees. Not the rocks, not the angels, not even Jibreel salam, but human beings. Each and every human being has the aptitude, has the potential, has the predisposition to be the center of universal worshipful slavehood. Ubudiyet is the word that we are using here. And universal because man, because of his nature, is able to represent the worship of the entire creation before God. Therefore, because man is this, this is the definition of human being. Therefore, because of this, human beings have tremendous great importance. Hem hatıra gelmesin ki, kısacık bir ömürde nasıl ebedi bir azaba müstahak olur. Moreover, don't ever think, how can a human being deserve eternal punishment, eternal torment in such a short life? This is also an important question. This is a question that might be bothering the minds of some people. We have such a short life. We appear to be so insignificant and out of the way in the, in the larger cosmos. And look how the Quran is, God is threatening us in the Quran with such eternal torment. Why? What can we do in this short life in order to deserve such horrifying torment? But don't ever think that. You would be wrong if you thought that. Zira küfür şu mektubatı samedaniye derecesinde ve kıymetinde olan kainatı manasız, gayesiz bir derekeye düşürdüğü için bütün kainata karşı bir tahkir olduğu gibi bu mevcudatta cilveleri, nakışları görünen Bütün esma-i kudsiye-i ilahiye-i inkar ile red ve Cenab-ı Hakk'ın hakkaniyet ve sıdkını gösteren gayremütenahi bütün delillerini tekzip olduğundan nihayet bir cinayettir. So don't ever think that because disbelief, the word that's used here is kufur and we need to explain it. Kufur comes from the verb kafara which means to cover up. If you think of let's say a squirrel that finds a nut and goes, digs up a hole in the ground, and then puts the knot in it, and then covers it up. So that's kafara. And this was this word was originally used for a farmer who would dig the earth, put the seed, and cover it up. But the meaning then expanded to indicate disbelief. Why? Because disbelief, in reality, is the denial, covering up, of a known truth. We human beings all know God. We are all born with the innate nature of Islam. We are all born in the state of submission to God. We all met Him on that day of, of first meeting with our Lord. On the day of Qalu Bala, we were all asked, Am I not your Lord? Am I not your Lord? And we all answered, Yes, 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 Ya Rab. Yes, O our Lord, you are you are our Lord. We all gave this answer. We all witnessed him there. And somewhere in our hearts, we all know that he exists and he is one and he is beautiful and he is majestic and he is perfect and we will meet him again. However, we cover it up with the sins, with the heedlessness, with the customs, with the arrogance, with the desires, with the distractions and so on and so forth of the world and the whisperings of Satan, and the, and the pulling, pulling of our lowest compulsive souls, we cover it up, we cover it up, layer after layer, layer after layer, and we become kafir. We become deniers. We become disbelievers. May God protect us from that. May God protect us from that. Zira küfür. So because, so how, the question again was, how can men, his seeming insignificance deserve such eternal torment 
in the short life brief life that he has on this earth don't ever think that because this belief is an infinite crime a crime the limits of which cannot be determined endless infinite why why is it such a crime because it brings this cosmos which is a letter of the eternally besought one which has the high rank of being a letter of the eternally besought one like a book the great book of the universe everything in the creation is a meaningful word in that great book of the universe and then those words come together and make up sentences and they have meanings when put together too so they have meanings as particulars and they have meanings as wholes this creation this cosmos is a letter of the eternally besought one it has that level and that value but denial brings it down to the level of meaninglessness purposelessness that is an insult to the entire creation that is an insult to the entire cosmos moreover everything that we see in this creation in among these existent beings are the reflections and embroideries of the divine sacred holy names everything is a manifestation of God's beautiful sacred holy names and the one who denies the existence of God of course is denying the named if you deny the named do you deny the names if you deny the names Islam Nursi is saying that denial and that rejection is the belying of belying of denial and belying of all these evidences all these uncountable endless endless evidences proofs that show the reality and verity of the almighty real of god so it's also an insult to the divine names it's an insult to everything in the creation and it's an insult to the divine names that everything in the creation is a reflection of and therefore it is an infinite crime it's an infinite crime we might have talked about this before imagine they say that the known universe is 14 billion light years wide let's imagine a star at the very edge of the known universe we see its light after 14 billion years it was created 14 billion years ago and it sent this ray of light and that light has been traveling for 14 billion years and it fulfills the function of being seen by the creator but the creator wants to be seen wants to see his beauty himself and also through the gaze of those who see and appreciate we talked about this before so we will not go and repeat that the creator wants to see his beauty and and perfection himself and also see it through the sight the gaze of those who see and can appreciate which is human beings when that happens the purpose of creation is fulfilled to 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 the complete extent so imagine this star created 14 billion years ago and that ray has been traveling for 14 billion light years and imagine a human being on a beautiful clear night when the sky is perfectly visible and so beautiful the stars are putting up a, putting up a show and the, and the light of that star comes and this human being sees it perhaps recognizes it individually perhaps does not recognize it individually perhaps he recognizes it as, as part of this larger composition or perhaps it is only a scientist who recognizes this this star with a telescope or some other way let's imagine that this is the scientist such a rare case this is not even seen by many individuals it is seen by only one individual for this star 
to fulfill its function completely this person who has the gaze who has the sight to see that star needs to recognize it as the creation of the creator needs to recognize and appreciate the beauty in it and say subhanallah mashallah how beautifully it is created by the creator but he says oh another star he does not say subhanallah he does not say mashallah he does not attribute it to the creator he just recognizes it in and of itself can you imagine the disappointment of the star? 14 billion years, such work, such effort to send that ray of light all the way to us. Yet, its function is not fulfilled completely because of this individual who failed, who failed himself and who failed the, the star by denying its attribution, its relationship to the Creator, to the Lord. So denial and disbelief is a crime against the entire creation because it prevents them from being able to fulfill their function to the complete degree. We have this responsibility. If you do not fulfill this responsibility, this is a great crime. So do not ever think that in such a short brief period of time on earth, how can this insignificant man earn, deserve such torment? No, in this brief time on earth, this seemingly insignificant man has a great, tremendous responsibility and privilege. And he needs to know the value of that. And he needs to fulfill his function. And also, when he fulfills that function, he becomes worthy of eternal appreciation. He becomes worthy of being taken to a place where God's blessings and manifestations of His majestic and beautiful and perfect names will be perfectly manifest and eternally manifest. They will, they will be manifest everlastingly. He will be taken to that hall of appreciation if he develops his skills and aptitudes in this world and proves, demonstrates that he is worthy of being taken there. This does not mean that he will deserve it. That's a different case. But he will demonstrate it, that he is worthy of being taken there. Others who fail to show that they are worthy of being taken there will not be taken there. Because if they were taken there, what's the point? They will not be able to appreciate it anyway. Therefore, we need to hone our skills while in this world. We need to hone, we need to improve our skills of appreciation, recognition and appreciation of the blessings of God, of the majesty in His creation, the beauty in His creation, the perfection in His creation, so that we, we too become worthy of being taken to that everlasting hall of appreciation, which is the paradise. The paradise is an everlasting hall of appreciation. But the actual, actual treatise here is about the question of how can man deserve such eternal torment in this short brief life? And Ustad Nursi explains it to us and says, Nihayetsiz cinayet ise nihayetsiz azabı icab eder. We just explained why denial Disbelief, kufr, is a crime that has infinite significance. And Ustad Nursi says, a crime with infinite significance necessitates infinite torment, infinite punishment. Let's try to do the fourth indication too, inshallah, and end there. Dördüncü işaret, the fourth indication. Nasıl ki hikayede on iki suretle gördük ki, hiçbir cihetle mümkün değil. Öyle bir padişahın, Öyle muvakkat misafirhane gibi bir memleketi bulunsun da müstakar ve haşmetine mazhar ve saltanat uzmasına medar diğer daimi bir memleketi bulunmasın. Öyle de hiçbir vecihle mümkün değil ki bu fani alemin baki halıkı bunu icat etsin de baki bir alemi icat etmesin. Now, in the way that we saw in this story in 12 respects that it is not possible from any point of view that such a sultan will create 
a guest house like this temporary guest house he will have a land like this temporary guest house and he will not have an established and permanent land where his sublimity will be manifest and that will be the locus of his tremendous royal power likewise it is not possible in any respect that the everlasting creator of this temporal realm will create this this temporal realm and will not create that will not bring into existence that everlasting everlasting realm hem mümkün değil şu bedi ve zail kainatın sermediği saniyi bunu halk etsin de müstakar ve daimi diğer bir kainatı icat etmesin moreover it is not possible that the perpetual artful maker of this beautiful refined fine wondrous yet yet transient cosmos will create this this transient cosmos and will not create another cosmos that will be permanent stable and continuous hem mümkün değil bu meşher ve meydanı imtihan ve tarla hükmünde olan dünyanın hakim ve kadir ve rahim olan fatırı onu yaratsın, onun bütün gayelerine mazhar olan dar-ı ahireti halk etmesin. And moreover, it is not possible that the all-wise, all-powerful, merciful creator of this world who creates from nothing, the creator of this world that is like a display hall or a testing ground or a cultivating field it's not possible that the creator of this world will create it but he will not create another abode where the purposes of this world are going to be fulfilled let's try to understand this a bit we said this world is like a display hall Remember, we talked about a fair where, where producers bring their samples. The world is like a display hall where the demos, where the samples of things, the real things, are being displayed. It is like a testing ground, like a classroom where students are being tested. Now, if they are being tested, there will be results, there will be outcomes, and there will be consequences of those outcomes. And it is like a cultivating field. It is like a field where you sow your seeds. Now, it is not possible, Ustad Nursi says, that there will be a display hall with, filled with demos and there will not be the originals, real things. It is not possible that there will be a testing ground and the consequences of the test, the outcomes, the grades of the test will not be announced and those who earn good grades those who pass the test will not be rewarded and those who fail the test will not be punished. It is not possible, he says, that there will be the cultivating field, but there will be no harvest. No. If there's a field, there will be a harvest. If there is a fair, if there is a display, there will be the actuals, the originals of them. If there's a test, there will be an outcome to that test. Bu hakikata 12 kapı ile girilir. 12 hakikat ile o kapılar açılır. En kısa ve basitten başlarız. Then Üstad Nursi says, This truth has 12 gates. The knowledge of the truth that we have been talking about here has 12 gates. And one enters through those gates, one opens up those gates with 12 realities. The knowledge of the existence of hereafter is a truth. That there is God is true knowledge that there is messengership is true knowledge that prophet muhammad وسلم, is the final and foremost messenger of god and his beloved and his slave is true knowledge and as his message also conveys that there is bodily resurrection and a hereafter is also true knowledge this is a tremendous truth. And this tremendous truth, Ustad Nursi says, can be comprehended through an understanding of 12 realities. It has 12 gates. And those 12 gates open up with the keys of 12 realities. Then he says, we will now begin with the shortest and simplest one, 
or perhaps we can also say begin with the shortest one that is also the easiest to grasp and inshallah we will do that in our next reading of the tenth word uh, we are over an hour we will end here inshallah Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al-fatiha